You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright. The power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected. A place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I got to tell you, I am so super excited about the show tonight. Dr. Serini Pillay, MD, is with us, and as a matter of fact, he happens to be our cover guy for the Law of Attraction magazine, September 1 issue, which means you will want to get the September 1st issue next week. Because this interview will be featured in the magazine and it's going to be something that you will want to read and reread to get it fully sunk into that beautiful brain of yours. It's all about focusing and unfocusing your brain to bring about manifesting. Well, Dr. Pillay is one of Harvard Medical School's most perceptive innovators who challenged old theories about the brain and even spirit. Global bankers and entrepreneurs to soccer moms have tuned into his message and he's got a lot to say about the law of traction. Since he performed hundreds of brain imagery studies that verified that the law of attraction is real. And guess what? It starts right in the brain. He is the best-selling author of many books as well as a psychiatrist, coach, brain researcher, musician, and even poet. Needless to say, he discovered the power of the brain to exceed everyday perceptions in which to truly, truly create what it is that you absolutely desire. And tonight you're going to find that it's not always good to focus, focus, focus. He's going to be talking about focus, unfocus, focus. That's the key. And I want to give you a little bit of history because way back in 2007, I was reading the Huffington Post and there was an article written by Dr. Pillay that showed proof positive that the law of attraction was real. So, of course, immediately I contacted him and since then we have been friends. He has taught my listeners so much about the physical, scientific attributes of the law of attraction. I just adore him and I'm just so excited to have him back on my show again. So let's take a fast break and when we return, we will have the one and only Dr. Serini Play. Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951 201 2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. 
Ever wonder how some people around you are so successful, making money, buying new homes, finding true love, and even better jobs? Well, now is the time for you to become that successful person. Jenny Gain, best-selling author and international law of attraction skills coach, is offering a free online masterclass for a limited time only to help fast-track your manifesting journey. Jenny Gain, also known as the Coach's Coach, has experienced success for herself and thousands more who have started manifesting wealth, health, and even a soulmate. If you're ready to create your own future, visit wisdomtimes.com and take Jenny Gain's free online masterclass. Yes, I said free online masterclass. Become one step closer to realizing your dreams at record speed. Visit www.wisdomtimes.com. Okay, I'm back. And before I bring out Serene, I want to let everyone know of a few things. One, we are having another cruise. Yep, that's right. It's been a few years since we had one. You know, I kind of needed a break. But now we are gearing up for another fantastic one. And it's going to Cozumel in February of 2019. So if you want to make sure you know about the cruise, all you have to do is go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up for the updates. And we're going to send you out a blast fax as to the particulars of the cruise. The cruise will be going out of Texas, which is the midway point between both coasts. So come and enjoy the beautiful sunshine and the beach, especially in February, and experience the fabulous, fabulous workshops that will allow you to get into that creation zone immediately. I also want to mention that we have two new shows on Law of Attraction Radio Network. The first is Smart Real Estate Coach, which is about investing into real estate by using the Law of Attraction. It's really a great show. You're going to find it so informational. And we also have the Lawyer of Attraction, Paula Kid Casey, who is a Law of Attraction expert. And that is is really saying something for someone being in the legal field for the last 40 years, but she truly knows her law of attraction. She's so fantastic, and you're going to love her show. She's going to have fantastic guests, and she herself is going to be teaching quite a bit. So that's a show you're going to want to tune into. Now, you can listen to all of the shows anytime during the day by going to loaradionetwork.com and click on our free mobile apps or you can listen to the shows and listen to all their archives by going to LOA Radio Network too. You can pick your favorite way to listen on iHeartRadio or Stitcher or Sprecher or Blog Talk Radio or Talk Show. I mean, we've got so many. We're on 38 internet radio stations and more starting next week. So go there and find out. Sign up for the cruise or for information on the cruise and you'll get that immediately starting next week. Okay, with that, all the announcements are done and I want to bring out my friend, Dr. Serene Play. 
Well, welcome, Dr. Sereni Pillay. It has been too long. Oh, my goodness, my friend. I'm so glad you're back. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I just think over the years when we first met, I think we were both so excited because we both believed in the law of attraction and we believed that there are ways in which it can work. And what I wanted to do was to bring some sensibility to it so people could understand that there actually is a science behind many of the thoughts and beliefs. And I think since then, I have one other very major sort of idea to introduce. Oh, good. Which I think is that, that being human involves being objective and subjective. And I think as a scientist, I really respect the objective because I, I respect the measurable. But I just want to say off the bat, because we're not going to talk a ton about this probably, that the subjective or the immeasurable is as important as the objective. And that as a human, if we keep ourselves stuck to the science and the facts and the figures, we're actually losing out on a big part of what it is to be human. So I just say that as a caveat so we can talk about the science, but know that I, I really respect the science, but I also respect people for who they are. I love that about you. Um, that is so important because really before, when we first started out, way back when, 2007, when I think we, when we first talked, um, it was mostly women. And today, because of the science, boy, men are, it's, it's actually over the women now. The demographics show that there's more men than women. I think that's absolutely wonderful. So it shows that science did make a dramatic impact, and you brought us to the reality of it. So I, I appreciate that dramatically. But you also told us about meditation and how you used it to get you through medical school. And you, at first you thought it was a lot of, oh, brother. No way. And then you taught us, oh, it does work. And it's like, okay, now I, that's all I do is meditate. Well, not all, but you know what I mean. It yeah. is a vital part of the spiritual life. It really is. I mean, I, I continue to believe that very strongly. And I think since we last talked, uh, there's so much more scientific evidence actually demonstrating <laughs> that meditation decreases activation, overactivation of the anxiety uh, center in the brain. And it can actually help you even in the analytic phases of your thinking, from mindfulness meditation to uh, even forms of meditation like transcendental meditation. Meditation can really change your brain to help you see things differently, approach things differently, and also in many cases sort of learn how to get, thing, get to places faster. So I would say meditation is a big, is a, is a really big plus from my perspective and a ton of science on it. Also, I think since we last talked, I've written a new book called Tinker, Dabble, Doodle, Try. What? Unlock say that again. Say that again. It's Tinker, Dabble, Doodle, Try. Okay. Unlock the power of the unfocused mind. And I think the moment I say this to people, people are like, what are you talking about? I've got enough unfocused. I'm totally distracted. And what I say to them is actually, I don't know if you know this, but we all spend, including me, 46.9% of our days daydreaming, which means we spend close to half of our days in unproductive space. And what this book does is it says, well, if you're going to allow your mind to wander, why not introduce strategic mind wandering so that you know how to capitalize not just on 
So being able to become more creative, but how to figure out how this connects to the law of attraction. So I'm sure we'll get there, but I, I just wanted to say that I think absolutely I'm, I'm a huge, I mean, I'm in favor of the science. I'm in favor of just being human. I think meditation is a fundamental element of, of how we behave and that rather than just concentrating on focus for the law of attraction, I think unfocus is at least equally important. And we can get into all of this uh, as it comes up. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is wonderful. Okay, so start, just start. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited yeah. about this. So when we talk about the law of attraction, I think a lot of people say, well, you know, okay, so let's say I write a check to myself and I put that in my drawer and I'm, I really sort of imagined what that is. How can I get to where I want to get to? Well, there are a lot of people who are sitting with checks in their drawers and there's no money that's come their way. <laughs> so people are saying, does the law of attraction really work? It sounds weird. Plus, what's all this universe stuff and how do I connect with the universe? Well, I think we can take it down to basics. And I think when you take it down to basics, really what's happening is you are preparing your brain to be able to see opportunities and respond to opportunities as they arise. So when you are actually writing that checkout, you are first saying, okay, I now know what the goal is. You're feeding that information to your brain's GPS. Now your GPS knows where you want to go. Except that if you're not motivated to get there, you're not going to go anywhere. So you've got to also more than just imagine that amount, you've also got to seed it. Meaning you've got to have an emotional attachment to that goal that is real and authentic. Because when you do, then it opens up your brain to pay attention to opportunities, to make decisions you might not otherwise make, to listen to your intuition and to follow that intuition towards your goals. And the way that this attraction occurs in that context is it's opening up your brain so that your, your brain's attentional flashlight can shine on opportunity when it needs to. You know, two people can be in the same room at the same time. If one person, and this is one of the unfocused mindsets, believes that something is possible, they're going to try it. If another person says, ah, oh, that's ridiculous, they're not going to try it. And, you know, here's a real-life example I gave you a long time ago where I was in South Africa in a small dorm room saying to myself, boy, I'd really like to be at Harvard. And, you know, now I know how hard it is to get into Harvard. And, like, we had more than, eventually, more than 400 applicants, and they accepted six people into the first year worldwide. So this is not a lot of, it's not a huge probability. But I believed, obviously, somewhere in me that this was possible. And so I picked up the phone and I said, I want to speak to the head of Harvard. And they thought I was crazy. They said, head of Harvard what? And I said, well, I don't you know, medical school. I got through the Department of Psychiatry. And eventually I said, I'm sitting in the small dorm room and I'm just thinking, boy, wouldn't it be great to be at Harvard? And he told me later, I thought you were crazy. but you know, I said, sure. I mean, you and everybody else, why don't you send me an application and send me a CV? Now, I had done well, and I think my application was a good application, but, you know, there are a lot of people in the world who've got good CVs with good applications. I was one of those people who believed this was possible, and so I did that. Other people who could have had CVs that were just as good and experiences that were just as good might have said, ah, you know, what am I, how can I just apply from the middle of Nigeria? or the middle of Australia, or even in the Midwest, or even in Boston. I mean, there are a lot of people in Boston 
who would just never think to do this because they know how hard it is to get in. With the law of attraction, one of the first things to do is to set the scene for possibility. To essentially say to yourself, something is possible because that sends the message to your GPS, I've got to figure out how. I've got to figure out how. Pick up the phone and call Harvard. Tell the guy you want to go. Because I sent it. He, he distributed it. The next thing I knew, I got a phone interview. The next thing I knew after that, I got a FedEx saying congratulations and welcome to Harvard. So, you know, this kind of stuff doesn't happen unless you believe. And people really underestimate belief. But the truth is, there is a science behind possibility as well. Because when you believe that something is possible, it activates the reward center in your brain. So it makes you motivated to go pick up that phone. And it also decreases, it increases opioids. So it decreases your stress. So rather than saying, oh my God, I'm so petrified. I'm just not, that's, they're going to think I'm so dumb. How could I, you know, in that instance, I didn't even think about it. I just thought, I want to go. I'm so motivated. I think it's possible. Got a good enough CV. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. And so to anyone out there listening to this, the first thing I want you to ask yourself is, is there something that I truly want that I shut the door on? And how can I open that door again? How can I say to myself, instead of saying no, I'm going to say yes. I don't care if I don't know how to get there. I don't care if I'm rejected. I don't care what happens. But for your brain to take you to your goal, the first thing is to have a sense of possibility. A sense of possibility. I love that. I love that. So, okay, that's the norm. We have to figure out how to get that sense without turning it off. And you've got the secret to it. Well, I have, a couple of suge- I have a couple of suggestions about it. You know, I, I think what, for a lot of people, uh, and I'll go, I'll go to my focus, unfocus pieces that I mentioned in the book. You know, and as I said, when I first told people I'm going to teach people how to unfocus, they were like, who needs that? <laughs> well, but the truth is you need to unfocus because in your brain you have focus circuits and you have unfocused circuits. The unfocused, there's a name for the unfocused circuit, which is the default mode network, DMN. And we used to think this was the do mostly nothing thing, right? And you're unfocused, your mind is wandering, nothing's happening. Well, it turns out this is not the case at all. In fact, this unfocused circuit is the circuit with your focus circuit, you pick up the puzzle pieces that you need to get to your goal. You want to make an extra $100,000, your focus circuit will tell you what you need to do, where you need to go, how you need to get there. Your unfocused circuit puts the puzzle pieces together. It's only during your brain's downtime that your brain can put these pieces together. So when people say to me, well, what's wrong with focus? You know, like, why should I, why should I, you know, why should I not focus? Well, here are five things that are wrong with focus. And I would ask you to write these down so you can really reflect on them. Number one, focus depletes the brain of energy. It actually, there was a study done where they showed one group of people staring at a video and the other group of people watching it as, as, as usual. And they found that the group that stared, when they gave them a, a compassion problem to solve after that, the people had to try to help someone, the group that focused couldn't care less. The group that was watching as normal started to come up with a way to help these people. And when they fed the focus group glucose, they started to care again. So it wasn't that the focus group didn't care. It's that they didn't have the energy to care. So think about this in terms of how you feel at work. You know, sometimes you go and you just couldn't care less. You just say to yourself, I, I don't care about the person next to me. I mean, it's not like I'm a bad person. I just don't have the time. 
Well, the reason you don't have the time is because you actually don't have the energy. Because everybody does focus, 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 fatigue, I'm going to sleep. As opposed to focus, unfocus for refueling, focus, unfocus. Now you're keeping it, you're refueling your brain. So you're not going down, you're staying up there with your brain's maximum capacity. So the first thing is that focus actually reduces your brain's energy. The second is when you focus, it's great when you are just laser focused, but it's not great if you have blinker vision. You know, you may be thinking, oh, I really want to have, I want to attract this beautiful person into my life. And you may have attracted them and you may be thinking, what's the next thing? Where will I take them on a date? What will I do with them? Where will we go on vacation? Not paying attention to the fact that that person is trying to say to you, hey, can we just chill? Like, I don't want to be with the hyper person. And if you don't pay attention to what's on the side, then you're not ever going to know. And that person will leave and you'll say, what just happened? Because you are focusing here and not paying attention to what's on the outside. Same thing with business. You know, Ann Wang was somebody who developed the, the word processor. And he was focusing on version number two, not realizing that the PC was in the wings. So if you don't look around you, and he got bankrupt, if you don't look around you from a business perspective, you're not going to know any opportunities. What new job things are available? Where is there another opportunity? Look around you. So focus is important, but also getting out of blinker vision is equally important. So you're saying to gear yourself with the knowledge of everyday life instead of staying right online and target with your goals. Right. Because there's, and, and there's a lot to say about just that sentence you mentioned, but I'll quickly mention three other disadvantages of focus. One is with your nose to the grindstone, you're not looking at any upcoming trends. You're not looking to see whether robots are going to take over your jobs. You know, there are now robots that flip burgers, yeah. food. They even write sports reports. So if you're a sports journalist, your job's really at risk. So you want to think about that. You know, the fourth thing is that focus prevents you from, from making connections because you're only on one point. So like Gillette, who had, Gillette had an appliance division and a toothbrush division and a battery division, but they never made the electric toothbrush because they were all in silos. Wow. So if you are focused on just right. one area, you're not really looking to bring this together. And the last thing, and this I think really relates to the law of attraction, which is that if you think about focus, focus is like a fork. It picks up all the parts of your identity that are like your LinkedIn profile. You know, this is my agenda. This is where I worked. This is how many years. This is where I went to school. We all know that's not who you are. Right. What unfocus does in order to attract different things into your life is it invites metaphorically other so, you know, other, uh, so cutlery to the table, other silverware. So basically, all of a sudden, it invites a spoon. And the spoon has the delicious melange of flavors of your identity, like the scent of your grandmother, which may seem irrelevant, but it's who you are. And you come to work as that. Or it invites chopsticks to make connections across the brain. Or it invites a toothpick to go into all the nooks and crannies of your brain and pick up little bits and pieces of who you are. Because... We are not just our stories. We are our stories plus our fragments. And you know, there's a, there's a famous theorist, Kazimierz Dabrowski, who said that to have a full, there's a thing called positive disintegration theory. If you are someone who's traumatized and feel like you just can't believe, because you feel like you're splintered, remember, there's a beauty to being cracked but not broken. And there's a beauty to knowing that 
in positive disintegration theory, every time you fall apart, it's an opportunity to come together in a stronger way. Wow. And, you know, I think from a law of attraction perspective, what we're saying is if you have a goal, and by the way, this has been shown, coaching for compliance, meaning if I coach you and tell you, okay, that's your goal, let's get you from here to here, here to here, is inferior to coaching with compassion. And that's because when you are compassionate with someone, you let the different parts of themselves reveal themselves. They're less afraid of you. They're not sympathetically overact. The fight or flight system, the moment you give someone a goal, the flight or fight system comes on and your body is in a state of disarray. But when you, when you love someone and when you are with them and you love them through their process, now you are, you're giving themselves and all of their strengths something you're giving them a chance to come out. So from a law of attraction perspective, I would say the law of attraction says that based on your mindset, you can attract whatever you want. Right. And I think what goal theory says is that if you are in hyper mode, you're, you're not even going to see what you want. You're not going to be able to find what you want. And because you're not self-connected, you're not going to be able to navigate to where you, to where you want to go to. So for, law, for the law of attraction to be satisfied, you need a stable self. You need to have the ability to see opportunity and the ability to respond to it. And I think that what the science tells us is that if you build unfocused periods into your day, like 15 minutes after lunch, 15 minutes in the middle of the afternoon, maybe 15 minutes at the end of the day, and we can talk about specific ways in which you can do this as well, which I describe in detail in the book. Now you're beginning to activate the part of you that puts puzzle pieces together. Wow. 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 Now, to me, that is just like the missing link here because all these years, Serini, we have been talking about staying focused, keeping your eye on what you want, but you are now saying, hey, don't forget or don't discount your mind wandering because that keeps you expanded out to see the rest. Exactly. That's you, brilliant. You know, it's, a, it's, just such a, it's such a thing that everybody overlooks that because I think it's frightening, right? But if you, yeah. there are examples of this, right? There are examples like, what did Mark Zuckerberg do when Facebook was having problems? He approached Steve Jobs. And what did Steve Jobs tell him to do? He said, go to, go to this ashram in India and don't think about anything and the answer will come to you, right? Warren Buffett, for example, is somebody... Who's, who's noted to take specific times off, Bill Gates, specific times off. Why do these people take their minds off task as well? It's because that's the time. And think about this in your everyday life. Haven't you had a great idea in the shower or when you've been on a walk somewhere, you're walking on the beach? It's all of a sudden you're like, God, how did that happen? How did I realize that? It's because you gave your brain a chance to put the puzzle pieces together to allow for this law of attraction to work. Wow. I love this. This is, this is so important. This is vital for us to create what we really have been wanting to create, but that's actually been stopping us from going forward. And I could, I could tell you thousands of people this affects, hundreds of thousands. It's everybody. So this is vital for us to know. You, did you give us all the steps? Because I got one and two. So, so I, I gave you. So, what I did was I gave you all the all the disadvantages of focus, which were 
decreases energy, causes blink of vision. The third thing is that it prevents you seeing future opportunities. The fourth thing is it decreases innovation because you don't make connections. And the fifth thing is it decreases self-connection. But let me give you a couple of techniques that you can use. Yeah. 15-minute periods where you can actually activate your brain. The first is based on research since the 1950s. Jerome Singer looked at daydreaming. And what he said was, there are certain kinds of daydreaming that work, and there are certain kinds of daydreaming that do not work. So daydreaming when you're sitting at your desk and your mind is slipping away and wandering, doesn't work that well. Daydreaming that's you know, maybe thinking about the prior night's indiscretions and your mind is just in a rumination cycle. I can't, oh, why did I say that? That doesn't work. But there is a type of daydreaming that actually activates your brain. And this type of daydreaming is called positive constructive daydreaming, PCD. Now, this is the place where I would recommend you take out a piece of paper and a pen. There's just three simple things to do. Number one, choose a 15-minute time in your day several days a week. So, and usually your brain goes into a natural slump after lunch or the middle of the afternoon, for some people even mid-morning. But you choose that time and you allow that and, and you, you, you block out that time in your calendar. The second thing is you've got to be doing something low key. So rather than sitting at your desk, you need to be knitting or gardening or walking. And I'll tell you a bit about walking when I finish the third step. The third step is while you are knitting, gardening, or walking, you imagine a positive or wishful image, like running with your dog through the woods, or running along the ocean, or lying down on, on, you know, on the beach, or on a yacht. And then you let your mind wander, but you imagine that you have to be doing something low-key. You can't just be sitting at your desk. Now, when it comes to walking, there's also some really cool things to know about walking. Walking, if you walk in, around the block, it's not as helpful to your creativity to find creative, attractive solutions that will get you to your goal as walking along a curvy path. So and walking outdoors is superior to walking on a treadmill for creativity. So if you can walk outdoors on a curvy path, you will, you will stimulate your creative brain. And when we talk about the law of attraction, what are we saying? I don't know how that happened. How did this happen? Well, it's because... One, one piece of information joined another piece of information, joined another piece of information. Like in that year when I came to Harvard, a year before that, my examiner was from NYU. And my examiner, because in South Africa, they invite people from other places to externally examine in an oral exam. And the external examiner said to me, you should be at Harvard. Like I would take you to NYU anytime, but you should really be at Harvard. And I didn't even really know like why Harvard was like, so well known. So it took me one year when I arrived in Cape Town on the West Coast in South Africa, where I was, you know, in the evenings, I would drive into the beach just to have a sundowner, watch what was going on. I had a lot of focused work, but I had a lot of unfocused time. That's when my brain was like, remember Professor Carl Mandel mentioned Harvard? You're thinking about going somewhere. What about Harvard? Now, you know, this is something you would expect. Like, I could have done that immediately had I known it, but I didn't. I needed... My unfocused brain needed that time. Now imagine the gems that are lying inside your head. Every human being. Imagine the gems that are lying inside your head that have not been mined, that you've not allowed because you spend your whole day with focus, 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 fatigue. 
Yeah. Think about what would happen if you said, I'm, I'm changing my strategy. From now on, every day I'm having three to four 15-minute breaks. I'm daydreaming for 50, close to 50% of the day anyway. Why not build those breaks into my day? I mean, you know, when I say this to people, sometimes they're like, oh, I can't do it. It's not practical. Besides, who will believe that? Well, do you know that Google has napping pods? That Zappos has napping pods? Because they know that it will increase the creativity. And this is the first strategy. The second strategy I'll mention after positive constructive daydreaming, which is that five to 15 minutes of napping will give you one to three hours of clarity. Now, think about you know, how after lunch we drag ourselves through work sometimes. We're like, oh, I've got to finish this. I'm not going to be able to finish that. Well, if you just take five to 15 minutes off, you'll have one to three hours of clarity. Google is not being stupid by saying, let me give you a chance to nap. They're saying, let me give you a chance to be more productive. Uh. So, so that's really what the napping piece is about. Uh, the third thing is doodling, just scribbling on a piece of paper. Now, you know, we always remember how teachers in class say things like, pay attention, like, stop to being stuck. Well, Jackie Andrade and her colleagues did a study that showed that doodling improves memory by 29%. So when you are just, your brain is just loosely there and you're just comfortable, your brain is not a stiff sponge anymore. It's like an absorbent sponge. And so doodling makes your brain like an absorbent sponge and you're able to remember 29% more. Wow. And I think one of my favorite techniques in this book is uh, psychological Halloweenism. It's a term I came up with to <laughs> describe uh, the results of an experiment, which are very interesting to me. They, they took two groups of people and they gave them a creative problem, which is called divergent thinking. I want you to give me, you've got one minute, give me a hundred uses for a brick. You know, it's kind of hard. So, you know, house, stairs, fireplace. Like, how do you, what they found was that if you took on the identity of a rigid librarian, you were statistically significantly less creative than if you took on the identity of an eccentric poet. And... When the same people took on another identity, they had the exact same results. It wasn't about the people. It was about who you think you are. So let me ask you this. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're capable of getting to that monetary goal? Do you think you're capable of getting to that relationship goal? Do you think you're capable of getting to that wellness goal? Ask yourself, because if you take on the identity, let's say you say, uh, you know, like, like, for example, the wellness goal for me kind of tricky because I'm not really willing to give up a few unhealthy foods. But, but I have to ask, I said, you know, you give me a bowl of delicious pasta, I'm just not going to say no. <laughs> I like food. I, I, I agree. So if I, you know, I'm not going to, and there are people who can be totally disciplined about it and say, no pasta for me, no hamburgers, no hot dogs, no anything. And I think for the vast majority of people, it sort of feels miserable living a life like this. But what if you put yourself, you know, I, I often say this to my trainer. I said to him, I need to become that person who is willing to become healthier over time, but also not willing to sacrifice things that are, you know, they're part of my identity. Like I, for me, that matters. Like food is a, is a, it's a place where you bond. It's a place where you, it's a warm place to be. So it's, it's not worth living without having delicious food because I like food. So I feel like, when you're trying to solve a difficult problem, ask yourself, is there anyone in the world who probably likes food and who would be different? Like, do I think 
Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson would diet in the same way. Do I think that, like recently somebody put out a picture of Tom Brady saying, oh, he wasn't in as great a shape as he could have been a football player. It's like, well, you know, he's a pretty amazing quarterback. And so he's figured out a way to eat the way he wants to eat when he feels like it and not at other times. So let's say you say, well, okay, this is Tom Brady, his summer picture. People are saying he's not how he was. So if I were Brady, what would I say? Well, probably that I have a certain amount of time off and a certain amount of time on, and that's how I'm going to sculpt my life. And I can't tell you how important it is to realize that taking this unfocused, and you can do this, you can play this game at the dinner table with your family. You can play it with on a date, you know, maybe not a first date, I always tell people, but on a date, you know, where you can say, like, and I actually did this at a workshop with a corporation recently, which had a very interesting result. So I was doing it with a very liberal group, of people who were thinking about climate change. Uh. And so I asked them, can you put yourself in the position of someone who would solve this problem? And, but it has to be someone very different from you, maybe even the polar opposite. And so one of them called me and said, listen, I can't get past the beginning. And I said, how come? And he said, because I told myself I should be Donald Trump and I couldn't think anymore. Like I, just, I didn't even know how to think about it. And I said, well, let's forget politics for a second. What would, in your projection, Donald Trump say if he was in your position? He said, oh, he'd probably say something ridiculous, like get the, get the best person, get the best person. I said, well, who would the best person be? He said, well, probably someone like Elon Musk. I said, well, have you talked to Elon Musk? No. Would you like to? Yes. So see, just by changing your mindset, even to someone you think you don't like, you came up with an alternative that you could think of that you would not have thought about. So you don't have to even like the person whose mindset you change your mindset to. You, it just has to be someone who thinks differently from you. So if you're looking for, let's say you want to make a million dollars in the next five years, and you want this law of attraction to work for you, put yourself in that person's shoes. Ask yourself, what, what did, like, if you think about, stories, right? Like Bill Gates, for example. It takes a lot to drop out of Harvard. Like you've got to be pretty self-connected. You know, you've got to be pretty deeply connected and committed to your own self-worth and what you can do to do that. Right. So I would say that ask yourself, well, if I had to just like drop out of my life currently, what life would I want to drop into? Like if I were Bill Gates, what would that be? And the more you play this game, the more you realize that you are often in your way. It's you and your self-construct and your limits in thinking. That, you know, a lot of people say that, oh, come on, you're just trying to be inspirational. Like, what are you telling me? And I'm saying, no, I'm trying to tell you that the law of attraction will definitely work better, whether you believe it or not. I think we can have a very decent agreement that if you're more curious, you're going to look for more things, you're more likely to be able to find what you want. And people say, oh, yeah, well, how great is curiosity? And that's when I tell the story of what I truly believe. I believe that within every human being, there is a center of radiant intelligence, like beyond your wildest imagination, that has been somehow sort of turned down through your normal milestones, through school, through disappointments, where people told you, you're not smart enough or 
you were not at the top of your class or somebody disappointed you. And this radiant intelligence, which I think every human being has, suddenly becomes much, much dimmer. And the example that I use just to illustrate the power of ingenuity, which I think is such an important power, the example that I use is the example of the One Laptop Per Child project, where people dropped tablets, like just computer tablets, in rural Ethiopia, where kids had never seen technology before. They just wondered, you know, will they eat them? Will they sit on them? Like, what will you do? You've they don't even know what the technology is. And what they found was within a few minutes, or it might have been a few hours, they found the on-off button. Within a few days, they were singing ABC songs and using apps. And within a few months, they had hacked Android. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, this is what happens when you unleash your curiosity. When no one's there telling you, you're dumb, you don't have a computer science degree. What do you think you know about computers? You don't have to know anything. You have to be curious to be able to figure out what's going on in, on this platform. So think about whatever your goal is, whether it's your money or your relationships or your sense of well-being, maybe your weight or your diet. If you say to yourself, what, what if I have the ingenuity to make this happen? What if I, I just curiously, like even, me, even what I teach, I often say to people, the key is not to take everything I say. The key is to make it your own. That's when you stand to make the best of any expert's advice. The best expert in your life is you. You know everything that needs to be known about where you came from, what you are, the relationships you had. I don't have that data. What I have are frameworks that you can follow in order to get somewhere. Build these unfocused frameworks and you will find a way to actually have these different puzzle pieces come together. You know, teach yourself strategically how to become more self-connected by building these unfocused frameworks. And you will see, you will see opportunities you've never seen before. I mean, the year before I went to Cape Town, before I came to Harvard, I was standing at a game reserve, having just watched a talk. And I was talking to this professor who I was completely enamored by. I was like, oh my God, this guy's brilliant. The first thing I said was, hi, nice to meet you. Just went to your talk. It's really great. He said, oh, you know, thank you. And then I said, you know, like, don't ask, I've never asked a person this question since then. I'd never asked it before. But I said, I'm sorry, I have, I have an unusual question to ask you. And he said, well, sure, what do you want to ask? And I said, I have a strong feeling about this, but can you tell me something that will change my life? <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, well. That's a huge question. <laughs> right. He goes, well, what are you, what are you interested in? And I said, well. <laughs> I'm interested in human psychology and I'm interested in the brain. And at that time, it was, you know, South Africa was in apartheid. He said, well, we have a scholarship that's due tomorrow. We've never given it to a person of color and we've never given it to anybody in psychiatry. So the chances that we're getting it are very low. But why don't you send me your application? I'll walk it over to the committee. We'll see what happens. So I said, sure. I sent in the application. A couple, couple hours later, he called me and said, Congratulations and welcome to Stellenbosch. Now, this all happened because I saw the possibility, but also I was paying attention to my intuition. Right? Something deeply connected me with that person. I mean, think about it, Jules. How many times have you been around people where you just, I mean, I had that feeling about you when I first talked to you. I was like, I don't know why I'm connecting to her so much, but I feel we're, we're traveling some kind of similar wavelength. 
We have different ways of approaching that wavelength, but I think we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> huh? I'm glad you figured that one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when, haven't you met people where you've just had a strong feeling about them one way or another, and your gut just told you, I don't want to go close to that person, or I want to approach that person. And what most people do is they say, I've got no evidence of this, I'm not going to pay attention. Look for the evidence after the fact, because your gut is a quick processor. And maybe you'll find it and maybe you won't, but it's really important not to ignore that. So you're saying to pay attention to your feelings. Absolutely. Your feelings and also any intuitions, even when you don't have any evidence behind it. Okay. That will help you look for the evidence, right? To be able to find what that is. Like, I can't tell you how many people told me when, when we first talked, oh, you can't go on any law of attraction show. Like, you can't, you know, you're a Harvard scientist. Like, you can't. And I said, I, I mean, I don't actually understand that. It, you know, I, I am a Harvard scientist, but I think that's why I feel like I should be on it. And so they go, no, you know, you belong in academia. I said, well, it's not about where I belong. I belong in the world. And the world belongs in the world. And I think if I can't interact with all people, and I only, inter and I only interact with my own kind, I'm limited. Because in as much as I feel like I've been really blessed to be able to share a lot of this information with a very different audience, I also have learned so much from you. You know, I remember one of our last interviews, you asked me, you said, you know, I, that's great that you have all the science backing this up, that we can change our attention that we can manage our fears and when we manage our fears, you know, and I think I taught a technique about how to manage fear at that time. And he said, but don't you just believe that there is something magical in the universe? Oh my goodness, I remember that. And he said, you know, the science is great, but there's something bigger than what you're saying. Even. There's something more complex than what you're saying. Even. And I think at the time, I, I just knew what you were saying was right, but I, I left that interview saying, I just... I think I really agree with Joel. Like what she's saying is the science is fantastic and it gives you, you know, methods. You can manage the fear. You can think about it. And just for those who are wondering what this fear management is, it's a, it's a five-step process so you can release your attention to increase the chances of the law of attraction. It's a mnemonic called circa. The first C is for chunking. Whenever you have a problem, break it down into little pieces to see how you're going to do it. The I is for ignore mental chatter, which is placing your attention on your breath. It's mindfulness meditation. You just ignore whatever the chatter is. The R is reality check. You use self-talk to say, no matter how bad the situation, this too shall pass. The, the C is control check, which is like the serenity prayer. You know, I, I hope I can actually have the ability to, to know the things that I can control and, and the things that I can't and the wisdom to know the difference. And the last A is attention shift. Now, all these things, which is take it away from the problem onto the solution. But I, I still felt, felt like at the end of our last interview, and it left a lasting impression in me. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I, my being a Harvard scientist is a title. It doesn't make me a human who's incapable of learning. And I feel like when I listened to you and you challenged me that way, I said, you know, I think what you're challenging me to do which is why I think I started the interview the way I did, was to say, you believe in magic, and I know you do, and I do. And, and I think you were saying, you believe that there's some, there's some stuff that's just not explainable, and I would say, I do. And you would say to me, you know, how does this stuff 
happen. You, you may, yeah, maybe we'll be able to figure out how later in the world. But should I be ignoring the magic of the world? And, and for me, the answer is no. I think that there is a magical opportunity in every living second in this world. And I think the cynics turn that off because they rely on probability and they say, if it's not likely, it's not going to happen. Well, it wasn't very probable for the airplane to be built. The internet was not very probable. I mean, how many billionaires do you have in the world? Very few. That's not very probable. The people who are looking for probability will not get very far. I think possibility is a vehicle into which you get to determine your own reality and discover the magic that I think the show is about. You know, I think your whole idea about traveling the world or seize the day or let's get lost, all of that is behind you. Like, what does that mean? Like, let's get lost? It's like on focus, right? It's like, <laughs> let's, let's get lost so that we don't, like, who needs a path every step of, every step of the way? Like, how can you even love someone like that? You know, it's like, like, I recently was in a conversation where we were talking about things that people could do to think differently. And it came up in the group of like, do you love your spouse in the same way? And people were like, yeah. They were like, well, that's boring. There must be like 200 more things about them that you've missed that you've not been able to connect to. So look for three more things to love about a person you're with and you'll see that, that that's there. I had someone just this morning complaining about how annoying it was to her that her husband is so pragmatic. So he's really irritating. Like I was talking to him about my mother. He was like, well, you know, your mother is very irrational. And, and she said, you know, I was getting irritated because I feel like he didn't understand that I was sad about my mother, that I don't want to sit and critique her. And then I, I talked to her and I said, well, you know, this, yes, I completely get what you're saying. And then she said, but I also love his pragmatism because that's what gets us planned on vacations. That's what allows us to make ends meet. That's what allows us. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I just want to say, with regard to my mother, pragmatism is not something I'm interested in. With regard to our budgets, it's great. So let's use it in some places, but not others. And so I think, similarly, as we are thinking about our lives, I would really encourage people to make their self-discovery the number one priority for the law of attraction to show itself. And how, how have you found your, your, your time in these last years? We haven't spoken in such a long time from a self-discovery standpoint. Uh, from a self-discovery, I realized that I had to get out of the way to let things happen. And it works out beautifully. Uh, when I get so focused in, like you said, that I actually prevent that stuff from flowing to me. So I had to learn to get out of my own way. Yeah, and I think, I think that's one of the reasons I love talking to you because I don't get a list of like 20 questions that I have to prepare for because I don't know what's going to come out. <laughs> I know. And I do remember the last interview when we were talking about magical and, and you're going, uh, okay. <laughs> and right. it's like, oh, I asked the wrong question. And for you to say that right now, wow, that just changed the whole couple of years that we haven't talked. So, wow, that was very important. Thank you for saying that. I do want to ask you one thing again, 
because when we do go and meditate and visualize and everything, um, you said that we should visualize in the first person or the third person. What is it? What we should do? So with, with visualization, I think it's important to visualize, to have a strong and rewarding image, to make sure that if you're not feeling confident, then visualize coming from behind. So coming from an adversity to a situation that's an advantage or the specific thing that you're not good at, like maybe writing out your budget or going for things even when you see them. But in the first person, you have a, many studies show that you have a much more powerful image. The problem is it's also anxiety provoking. Wow. So I suggest that you start with the third person where you're looking at yourself in the image. So let's say you're thinking, I'm going to make so much money in two years that I'm going to be on a private jet, hanging out with my family, and we're going to go to a, on a great vacation. So or maybe you say, I'm going to be by myself on a private jet because I like being by myself. and I'm going to have an adventure in another country. So if you, if you then imagine yourself at the jet, now you're seeing your entire body standing there getting onto the jet. If you, if you are there, you don't see your back. So all you can see is the plane and all you can see is the sky around you. Start with first the third person and then go into the first person and you'll see how being immersed in an environment is such a strong emotion. And when it comes to imagery, you want to include your emotions in that imagery because emotions are information. They are simply brain electrical activation in your brain. They are forms of information. You cut the emotion out and you're not really anywhere. In fact, in, in the book, I, I actually point out that I think emotions are a vital piece of the intelligence that we've got to use, even when we're unfocused. You know, you're on that wonderful wandering thing. Let, let your emotions flow. Like I'm out at sea, I'm on a yacht. Maybe there's a nice cocktail. Maybe I'm hanging out. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can imagine that'll make things seem and, and just much more fun that's all information to your brain and it's more motivating to your brain as well. Brilliant. Now that is very, very powerful. I know people are questioning how to do that. So you just gave them an answer. Oh, Dr. Pillay. Oh my goodness. What a wealth of knowledge you are. I can't thank you enough. I love it. I love everything you said today. We've got to make this not be every three or four years we got to do it quicker because yeah. we need you we need you thank you and it goes both ways you know i think energy flows both ways and I, I think i need the people who are listening to this as well because i believe that together there is some evidence to show that global consciousness can influence things somebody just did a bunch of experiments uh in the uk actually an intention experiments where they wanted some things to happen and they got a group of people and they all meditated on the same intention and they happened. So similarly, I think we need one another. And what I want the science to do is to support people when they're feeling cynical or when they're feeling down or they're not quite sure how to get started. But remember, I, I really believe that the answer is in you. And I believe that these paradigms can help you get there and they can help you engage both your subjectivity and your objectivity to get to your goal. Because you are beautiful human beings. You're not just facts and figures. You know, you're a beautiful human being. And so I think that, that when you look at the world, the world is filled with people you will relate to. And I think the, the way we all need to start is with ourselves. But to your point, Jules, I, this is, 
such a delight for me to come onto your show to know that you are an instrument of change by inviting different people to share their perspectives and by allowing people to figure out whether they can relate or not relate or whether they want to, but you are an instrument of this combined collective consciousness. So thank you for doing that. Well, you know, looking back in my years backwards, who would have thought that I would be doing this? <laughs> I'm just amazed myself every day. What am I doing? I'm talking to Dr. Sereni Pillay. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And similarly, I think the whole idea of like, you know, would I be feeling so warmly about talking about the law of attraction? That's not what I, you know, got up thinking when I was in high school or medical school, <laughs> but I am warmed by it. And, I, and I, I just believe that we live in too much of a polarized world right now. Whether you agree with us or not, whether you hate it, whether you love it, let's get in the conversation and let's support one another, mm. even from our places of difference. That's what this is about. That's what this whole conversation is about. And I, I really do feel strongly about that. I agree with you 100%. So tell us where we can get your book, your new book. My new book is, is Tinker, Dabble, Doodle, Try, Unlock the Power of the Unfocused Mind. Um, in, in the UK, it's called Think Less, Learn More. Okay. Uh, and I, I particularly like the Italian title, uh, which is Il Potere del Cazzeggio, which means the power of effing around. <laughs> that's wonderful i love that the best oh my gosh now yeah. that's something you can remember huh yeah <laughs> I, you can get that on amazon barnes and noble you can get it on my website which is drsrinipillay.com d-r-s-r-i-n-i-p-i-l-l-a-y.com um and please feel free to Follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm, uh, I'm just getting into Insta stories now, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to share things on the go as well. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, okay, so this has been a brilliant show. And uh, as I announced in the intro, you are our cover guy for September 1st. And I am so delighted to be featuring you in the magazine because what you've given us is just dramatic. And I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for being alive at this time that I get to experience you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Judith. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.